This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today, we continue with a series based on the 23rd Psalm called Living in the Goodness of God. In these lessons, you'll discover that God is good all the time, even in life's most difficult circumstances. And you'll experience the hope and favor that spring from God's divine goodness. In a few moments, we're going to tell you about a very special resource called the Living in the Goodness of God Guided Experience Book. This Bible study tool will help you fully trust the goodness of God and experience God's favor in every area of your life. Find out more by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 while you listen to today's message. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part two of a message called, How Jesus Treats His Sheep. Now, number three, what about when he's leading me? What if I get confused when he's leading me through life? And what if I, I wander off? Well, that's the third thing we learn, is that if I get confused and I wander off, Jesus finds and brings me back. He finds me and he brings me back. Now, we're all gonna wander, and Jesus had some specific things to say about this. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, he says, if a shepherd, this is Jesus talking, if a shepherd has 100 sheep and one wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 safe sheep to go search for the lost one? Yes, why? Because every sheep matters. You matter to God. You matter to God. He, he says, if I've got 100 sheep, 99 of them are saved and one of them's lost. I'm going after the unsaved one. I'm going after the lost one. That, by the way, is the heartbeat of Saddleback Church. It's why we never stop growing. Last weekend, you heard we had over 71,000 people at Saddleback Church in all of our campuses. And yet, we're not gonna stop growing. Why? Not because we need more people. We don't. My favorite size church was 300 people. Really, it was because I could know everybody, every kid, every cat, every dog, enough to pay my salary, and I can go play golf three times a week. <laughs> Except I hate golf. <laughs> and I, I love that because I knew everybody. The fact is the bigger church that gets, the more headaches, the more problems, the more stress. Why do we do this? We do it because Jesus says, if there's one person out there who still doesn't know me, we're going after him. We don't grow for our benefit. We grow because people need the Lord. And as long as there's one person still out there who hasn't heard the good news of Jesus, we're gonna leave the 99 saved sheep and go after the one. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. You see, it takes unselfish people to grow a church, to leave the 99 and go after the one, and yet that's what Jesus did. The church that doesn't wanna grow is basically saying to the world, go to hell. That's what they're saying. We're all saved, we're happy, we're going to heaven. The rest of you can go to hell. It takes unselfish people to be like Jesus and say, we're gonna keep reaching out. There's still one more who needs the Lord. There's still one more who needs the Lord. So if there's somebody out there confused and wandering, Jesus says, I'm going after him, we're gonna bring him back. This is the reason Jesus came to earth. Look at the next verse, Luke, 8, Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why Jesus came to earth. God came to earth in human form to seek 
and save the lost. He's on a rescue mission, a search and rescue mission. Now, this, follow the logic on this. If we weren't lost, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. So it clearly implies we're lost without God. If you could get to heaven simply on being kind of a nice person and you have more good works uh, outbalancing all your bad works, if that's how you could get to heaven, then Jesus dying on the cross was a total waste of time. Believe me, if there was any other way for you to get into heaven except by Jesus Christ, God, coming and living a perfect life than dying for your sins because he didn't have any, don't you think God would have used it? Don't you think God would have chosen an easier way to gain your salvation if it was possible? There was no other way. And Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which is lost, which means the world is lost. Everybody is not going to heaven. If they were, Jesus didn't need to come to earth. Let me say it again. If everybody was automatically going to heaven, Jesus did not need to die on the cross. That was a big total waste of suffering and sorrow and sadness and pain. But he said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Look up here on the screen. The Bible says we are lost without God. Isaiah 53, verse six. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. And we've all done our own thing, and we've all gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. Talking about what Jesus did on, on the cross. Now he says we, we're all like sheep. It's human nature to, to wander. It's human nature uh, to get lost. Let me ask, those of you, how many of your parents? Can I see your hands? Your parents. All right, question. Um, is it easy or is it hard for a little child to wander in a crowd and get lost. Kind of obvious. You, have you ever had to teach your child how to get lost? No, you, you never had to class. Let me tell you how to get lost in a mall, son. Why? They already know how to do it naturally. By our nature, we naturally wander. We wander away from our parents, we wander away from God, we wander away into situations we shouldn't be in, and we get lost. And the Bible says, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We're all, we're all lost. So God says, I'll be the good shepherd, and I'm gonna come and seek and save, I'm gonna find you. It's in our nature, we naturally wander, we naturally get lost in life. You may be feeling lost right now. You're going, I haven't the slightest idea what I'm supposed to do next with my life. You feel a little lost. You're lost over what to do with your finances. You feel a little lost over what should I do about my career? Do I stay here, do I move? Sometimes you don't know, do I hold on, do I let go? That's a hard one to discover. What do I do now? Do I keep going, do I give up? Do I try something different? You feel a little confused. You're feeling confused about things in your life. That's called being lost, friend. Because you don't have a guide who's walking through you with it or you've got the guide but you're not depending on him. And you wonder, what should I do now? Now, any parent who's lost a child in a mall or at a campground, something like that, let me ask you this question. When your child wanders off and your heart is in your throat and you're searching for minutes or maybe even an hour trying to find them and it's getting worse and worse, when you actually find them, your adrenaline settles, you calm down a little bit, the fear subsides, do you then just go, well, it's no big deal, and you just brush it off? Oh no. 
If your child has been lost and then now they're found, you don't just brush it off and treat it like it's no big deal. Because you love them deeply, you have the talk. You can't run away from daddy like that. And, and it's not, it's serious, it's, it's dangerous. You need to be near mommy, you need to hold my hand when we're in a crowd, because this is not good. And, and you correct your child. Now, are you correcting your child out of hate? No, you're correcting your child because you love them. You love them. You love them and so you correct them. You love them because you, you discipline them because you love them. An undisciplined child is an unloved child. A child that can get its way and do everything it wants is not a loved child. It's an unloved child because kids need discipline. We need direction. We need training. Well, let's just take this now to your relationship with God. What does God do when you wander off? He disciplines you. He has the talk. He corrects you. Look at the next verse, Psalm 119. David says, I used to wander off until you, Lord, disciplined me. And he said, you know, I, I had a tendency to just walk off, leave God, leave everything else that was valuable. I used to wander off to the Lord, discipline me, but now I closely follow your word. You are good, talking about God. God is a good God. And you only do good, so even when he disciplines you, it's for a good purpose. So train me in your principles. Now I wanna clear this up for you, so I want you to write this down. Discipline is not punishment. Please write that down. Discipline is not the same thing as punishment. Let me explain the difference. Punishment is when you pay a penalty for the past, and it's usually done in anger. You're punished in anger for something you did in the past. Discipline is not punishment. Discipline is training and correction for the future, and it's always done in love. You're not angry, but you're doing it out of love because you want the person, the child, or in this case, the sheep, to go in the right direction. You know, sometimes if a shepherd has a sheep that is so prone to wander, it's gonna wander and, and kill itself and it's, they live in a very dangerous place where there's like say mountain lions. They will often wrap and hold a, 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 a sheep's leg so it can't move, or sometimes they will even, in olden days, break the leg so that the sheep could not wander off. Was that done in anger? No. Was it done in hate? No. It was done in love because they love the sheep and they don't want it to die. And sometimes God might put a limp in you to keep you from wandering off. That's not punishment. That's discipline. Punishment, penalty for the past, motivated by anger. Discipline, training for the future, motivated by love. Now why is that important you know the difference? Because when something goes wrong in your life, sometimes you're gonna be tempted to think this thought and it's not a thought from God. God is getting even with me right now. God is punishing me for something I did in the past, and it's a secret. You're even a Christian, you've given your life to Christ, you've confessed your sins, you've been baptized, you're, you know, you're active in the church, and you say, God is angry with me now, he's punishing me for this problem. Wrong, 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 wrong. I want you to listen very closely. God never, never, never punishes his children. He disciplines them but he doesn't punish them. 
God never punishes those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Never, 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 never. Why doesn't he punish me? Because you obviously keep sinning, you're sinning. He doesn't punish you. He doesn't make you pay for your past. Why? Because it was already paid for 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ paid for the sins you haven't committed yet. And all the Bible says all of the punishment for your sins was paid for on the cross. If, if God now punished you for your sins, that's double punishment. It means Jesus' punishment who took it on the cross was not enough. And of course it was enough. All the, the guilt, all the regret, all the shame, all the penalty for your sin was paid for by Jesus. So Jesus is not gonna punish you for something that his son already took. He disciplines, but he's not going to punish you. On Good Friday, Jesus Christ took all your punishment. Look up here on the screen. Isaiah 55 verse, 53 verse five says this. He, Jesus, was crushed for the sins we did and the punishment we deserved was given to him. So now we're healed because of his wounds. You say, wait a minute, I'm not ever gonna be punished for my sins? Not if you've trusted Christ for your salvation. I'm not ever gonna be judged for those sins? Not if you've trusted Christ for your salvation. Because he took the punishment. He took the judgment. And so don't ever, if you are a Christian, if you know the Lord, don't you ever, ever again say, God's getting even me. Because that means he, he was saying that what Jesus did for you was not enough. God's not gonna let the punishment of your sins go on Christ and then put it on you too. It's already been paid for. You say, I get to go scot-free? Yep. Well, that's not fair. Who said it was fair? It's called grace. Grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. We talked about that on Good Friday. So God never punishes us for our sins if we have trusted Christ who took that punishment. Now he does discipline. Look at the next verse, Psalm 119, up here on the, oh, it's on the screen, verse 71. David says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Notice, this is a problem that's come into his life for the purpose of education, not condemnation. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's already been forgiven. But there is education that I might learn. It was good for me to be afflicted. What's an affliction? Well, there can be many. There can be an emotional affliction in your heart. It could be a relational affliction in your relationships. It could be a physical affliction in your body. You can get sick. This is not punishment. And, and David, looking back on it, goes, hey, it was a good thing that I actually was disciplined because I learned your statutes. Now the only way you're gonna learn the statutes is when you stop asking why is this happening to me and start asking what do you want me to learn? No matter what happens to you in your life, stop asking why. You're not going to know why on this side of death for most things that happen in your life. Instead you should be saying, what do you want me to learn, God? David says, it was good for me to go through this trial, this trouble, this suffering, this difficulty, this affliction. Yeah, I can even thank God, because I know God is a good God, even when things are bad in my life, because I learned some things I would have never learned any other way. You know that there's some things you only learn through pain. God whispers to us in our pleasure, God shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone. Pain is the way God gets your attention. 
So he says, it was good for me. Now, go back to that, that verse that we just looked at, Psalm 119, there on your outline. He says this, I used to wander off until you, Lord, disciplined me. Okay? And he says, but now I closely follow your word. That's a good thing. You are good, and you only do good, so train me in your principles. Now, this verse is very deep here. It gives us several principles. First, how do I keep from wandering off? You know, I have a tendency to go off the reservation. I have a tendency to go off the rails. I have a tendency to go out of bounds. I have a tendency to do the wrong thing. How do I keep from wandering off into preventable problems? You do realize that most of the problems in your life you don't have to have. And you are the source of the preventable problems, most of them. And if you were trained in God's principles, you could avoid them. What does it mean to be trained in God's principles? He said, you train me in God's principles. And what does it mean? It means to learn to be wise. Wisdom is being trained in God's principles. Where are the principles? They're all in this book. And the more you understand God's principles, the wiser you'll be. The wiser you'll be, the fewer problems you bring on yourself. Because when I'm not wise, I make dumb decisions, and then I make the problem worse rather than better. So if you want fewer problems, get wisdom. How do I get wisdom? Learn God's principles. How do I get trained in God's principles? He says there in the verse, I closely follow your word. You need to spend more time in this book. The more time you spend in this book, the wiser you become, because you know God's principles. The wiser you become, the fewer problems you make for yourself. That is how God wants it to be. Your life gets easier the wiser you get because you're not bringing all these problems on yourself. How many times have somebody said something to you and you said the wrong thing and made it worse? Because you weren't wise in that moment. And so God says, I, I stop wandering by being trained in his principles. I get trained in God's principles by closely following the word. Okay, how do I closely follow the word? Well, welcome to Saddleback Church. Okay, we, we've got hundreds of ways to help you get closer uh, following God's word. First thing you need to do is you have a daily quiet time. That means you take five, 10, 15 minutes as you get more mature, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and you read the Bible for a little bit and you talk to God in prayer and you write down some thoughts and you prioritize your life and you pray about it to God, that's called a quiet time. We have an entire class that teaches you how to do this. It's called Class 201. And if you've forgotten that, you took Class 201 before, go back to that class, Discovering the Habits for Spiritual Growth and learn how to have a quiet time so you can become wise. The more times you spend in this book, the wisdom comes from the word. Now, if you spend three, four, five hours a day watching TV and you spend zero time reading the Bible, are you going to become wise? Why is it that we spend more time listening to and reading something we don't believe than something we do? Why do you spend more time reading magazines that you know have a lot of false stuff in it, newspapers, listening to talk radio, that you know has a lot of dumb stuff in it. When the stuff you know is true, God's word, you don't spend any time in it at all. So get, have a quiet time. Uh, you should subscribe to Daily Hope. That's my little, you know, that's on the radio, but it's also, there's a short version of it on an email. About a million people get Daily Hope every day. 
If you're not reading that, you should be. It gives you input into the word. And then, as I always say, get in a small group. We have thousands, over 8,000 small groups in this church. Get in the word every day. And get in a Bible study. There's just so many ways. Saddleback is committed to helping you get in the word so you become wise, so you make better choices, so life becomes easier, so you have fewer problems that you bring on yourself. That's what the good shepherd wants in your life. All right, number four. Okay, let's look at this. Number one, he says, if I bring Jesus my hurts, he shows me compassion. If I choose to follow him, he's gonna lead me in the right direction. That makes life simpler, get a guide. If I get confused and wander off, he's gonna find me and bring me back. He seeks and saves. And he says, uh, here's the fourth one. If I fall or if I fail, you're going to do both. If I fail or fall, Jesus rescues and recovers me. Jesus rescues and recovers me. Now, like all sheep, we not only wander, we also stumble. We also fall down many, many times in life. Anybody wanna give a testimony on that? We've all stumbled, we've all fallen flat on our face, we do it with great regularity. Every time I wander, I get into trouble. The further I get away from God, the more problems I'm gonna have in my life. The closer I get to the shepherd, the fewer problems I'm gonna have because he's gonna be guiding me, guarding me, protecting me, directing me, things like that. So all sheep stumble, all sheep fall. And how does Jesus react to this? Let me, let me just put it on the spot to you. What do you think Jesus does when you fall, when you fail, when you flub up, when you really embarrass yourself, when you do something really evil, wicked, mean, bad, and nasty? How does Jesus Christ respond to you? You know, you say, well, I'm a child of God. I, I should know better than this, but I really messed up just now. What I said, what I did. And all. How does Jesus respond to your failures? Well, let's look at what he says in the scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. It talks about when a sheep stumbles and falls. And he says, Jesus said, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit, circle that, falls into a pit, we'll come back to that. If any of you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath, that's the day you're not supposed to work in Jewish law, will you not rescue it and lift it out? He says, you know, even though it's the Sabbath, you're gonna go save that sheep. Will you not rescue it and lift it out of the pit? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Jesus saying, if a sheep falls into a pit, if a sheep fails and stumbles and falls into a pit, good common sense means you're gonna rescue it, you're gonna lift it out, you're gonna recover it, even if it's on the day that ceremonially you're not supposed to work. He said, well, what about in your own life? Isn't God going to act that way toward you? This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle, dot com. And be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first, is God always good? What about during times of pain and suffering? 
Even during difficult times, God wants to comfort you. He wants you to rest in His promises. That's why Pastor Rick created the Living in the Goodness of God Guided Experience Bible Study Book. In this one-of-a-kind spiritual growth tool, you'll dig deep into Psalm 23. Here's Rick to tell you more. Psalm 23 is one of the most popular passages in the Bible. In fact, you can probably recite some of it yourself or even all of it. But here's the problem. Psalm 23 is so well known, we often miss the depth of the message to us. You know, this psalm isn't just about trusting God to get you through dark days. It's about living in the abundant and eternal goodness of God on every day of your life. How God looks out for you every single moment of your life. Now, to help you go deeper into Psalm 23, we've created a brand new resource called Living in the Goodness of God. It's a guided experience. And this Bible study tool will help you learn how to trust God's goodness in every single area of your life. Now, as you go through this study, we've designed it so that you practice meditating on God's Word. And as you do that, I hope your focus will shift from your fears to the Father. And you'll learn that God wants to give you a life of confidence, even in your darkest moments. He wants to give you assurance, even when you feel alone. He wants to protect you. He wants you to have a life that is influential and abundant and uses the grace of God to reach other people for Christ. God wants to give you a life filled with generosity and with hope. All of that is in Psalm 23. Now, this book, Living in the Goodness of God, A Guided Experience, is filled with biblical truths and practical lessons and application exercises and a lot of space for you to even write down your own response at what God is teaching you on that particular day. It's bound in a soft, leather-like material and includes beautiful artwork. It's a comprehensive study that I believe will help you grow spiritually this next year. Now, I'd like to send you this study of Psalm 23, Living in the Goodness of God, when you give a gift to Daily Hope today. You know, I really appreciate all of your prayers, all of your support, and all of your financial gifts that help us keep this ministry on the air because of you. We're able to reach more and more people around the world with the hope of Jesus. Thanks a lot, and God bless you. Just go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this amazing resource. Or you can just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.